going on? Welcome to the new music business. I'm your host, Ari Herstand, author of How to Make It in the New Music Business, the book, third edition, now out. This is a very special episode. It was recorded live at my book signing on release day at Barnes & Noble at The Grove in Los Angeles. There's a a lot of energy in this episode. We had a packed house at Barnes & Noble. It was so much fun chatting with my friend and hero, Theo Katzman. Theo Katzman? Holy shit. Yeah. So, um... Hey! Um... So I'm uh, I'm very excited to talk with you today. Me too, bro. Yeah. Um, about uh, well, first off, uh, for those of you, well, what's so cool is that you have two albums, new albums that are out. One with Wolfpack mm-hmm. that just came out in December. Uh, Schwitz, which we were talking a lot about. That's right. <laughs> Schwitzing earlier. Yep. Um, and then with the Theo Katzman project, the solo record, Be the Wheel. Yes. And um, before we we get into the record, I'm gonna I'm gonna spend a lot of the time on on yes. And a third album that I'm producing for one of my favorite artists, May Early Wine. Oh hell yeah! And that also is coming out soon. So it's there's Amazing. a lot of we were all silent for a very long time. Yeah. And now there's a lot. And she's opening your say. your tour. I yeah, saw. she's gonna be opening Amazing. part of the tour. So I wanna um I wanna start by talking about this uh your rec your your new solo record be the wheel brilliant brilliant work I, it's honestly it's some of your best work and this is coming from a fan i've listened to your previous records modern johnny sings songs in the age of vibe um heartbreak hits um romance without finance many 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 times i'm, Thanks, a, I'm a fan theo Thanks, i'm a big fan, a fan and too, this bro. is this is um this is great because it's like it's it's one part kind of natural progression, natural theocasman progression, but you've really explored a lot of themes in this in a very um subtle, nuanced, but so effective way. And, you know, but also you get more heartfelt in like a genuine like gut punch way. Yes. Then <laughs> then then I've heard you before and like the you have a song the final song on the record, um, Nobody Loves You Like Your Mother. That song, I it's it's the it's honestly I think one of the best songs you've ever written. Thank you. It's a beautiful, beautiful song. It got me to call my mom. Good. Which is a big feat. Great. <laughs> so thank Great. you for that. And I know she appreciates that awesome, as well. Awesome. Yeah. But before we get into really discussing the record, um, you sent me a, a the press release for the album. Yes. And uh so I, I saw people here today have uh, notepads and pens. And that um, you know they're they're thinking about you know they're they're planning to learn a lot from our conversation today. Cool. So if you want to learn how to structure a perfect press release, this is it. And I know there is a section in the book about how to write press releases. It's tough. They're they're such a drag. So uh, this is Theo's like, perfect what do press I say release about myself. You know. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by DistroKid. DistroKid is a distribution service that can get your music into all the DSPs like Spotify, Apple Music, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram. Over a million artists have used DistroKid. I'm one of those artists. I've used DistroKid to get my music out, distribute some of my songs. As you know, as I look into all of these distribution services, I test them out. And DistroKid is great. They offer a ton of features, annual fee unlimited uploads and you keep a hundred percent of your royalties check out districtkid.com 
So here's the, the when I when I asked Theo, I'm like, can you send me a press release for the for the new album? He's like, all right, here it is. Dude lives in L.A. Pandemic hits. L.A. sky is on fire. Dude seeks water. Dude goes camping. Dude falls in love with van. Dude buys van. Dude drives to the woods. Dude goes inward. Dude writes an album. Dude dreams of studio in said woods. Dude friends. Dude friend sends him real estate listing of dream property. Dude buys house mid road trip. Dude sets up studio in house. Dude records album in house. Dude comes back to L.A. Dude does Ari's podcast. <laughs> I mean, does a press release get more perfect than that? I don't. I don't know. I think it was that's custom. A- <laughs> that was a custom one for you. But now I'm like, well, I should keep that. Yeah. I think that's going in the fourth edition of the book, Sweet. by the way. So, <laughs> um, but anyway, I, I want to talk about. Um, okay, so talk about this process of of getting a studio, a cabin in the woods, and creating a studio, and then recording this record. Because when I hear this record, um, it sounds uh, very live. Yep. Uh, and and uh, but. The performances are so strong, but it feels like it's so natural. I almost feel like I'm sitting in the room with you guys. Yes, as you're you playing. are. So tell tell me about yeah, it. Yeah. So part of that is that um, this new record. Uh, it, I I always wanted to. I've been dreaming for a long time of doing this kind of workflow where, um, actually, it really. <clears throat> pardon me. It was born over the years of working with Wolfpack, mm-hmm. where we cut everything live. You know, we we play live in the room. But we're in a studio, so um, a lot of people think of like live versus studio, you know, like as if a live uh, performance is going to sound like a band in a garage with it coming through a PA and mm-hmm. basically sound like not that good, Yeah, you yeah. know? And then I think studio is like perfect and wow, polished, right? Yeah. But what started to occur to me over the years is I started noticing the records I would come back to more and more just had this like it's hard to put words to it, but maybe one word would be like authenticity where you mm-hmm. go like, man, I feel it or organic where you're like, this feels like it really happened. Mm-hmm. Right now over the years with Wolfpack, we would, you know, we started as an instrumental project yeah. that refused to be called a band. We're like, no, we're not a band. We're a, you know, we're a, we're a studio. I believe the first <laughs> uh, little bit that was put out was that you were, a a like German session musicians was like yeah. the, the fake Wikipedia that that first came out around that and yeah and, and you guys aren't really if you want to mess with the internet <laughs> and you're not talking to Jack Stratton yeah <laughs> you're doing you it wrong running yeah. behind <laughs> yeah Jack Stratton <laughs> no, the Jack. Uh, the leader of of or the uh, one of the founding members of Wolfpack along with you yeah who Jack. kind of does he's the mad scientist behind the curtain he's the mad scientist behind the curtain in yeah. terms of stuff like that being yeah. like I w- I remember when Jack told me that he's like now nah, we're a German uh, you know, we're 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 like the lost uh, German, uh, you know, rhythm section, man. Mm-hmm. We're not a band. I'm like, okay. And then it's that like, went everywhere, and that was in all the articles that were written about you. Yes, but then it, what we're getting off topic, but that's the topic, right? We're going in. I got the question. Everything. I got a topic. this. It's story time. Yeah. We go. You gave me a microphone. This is a huge mistake. <laughs> Take my mic, please. You know. Um. Anyway, we that reminds me of uh, because yeah, at some point people were like well, do you guys want to play this festival? And it's like, what do you mean? We're not a band. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yes, you are. You are a band. You know, it reminds me of this one time I was on tour with a different band. We're pulling into one of the uh, tunnels, like the Lincoln Tunnel or something with with a toll. Mm -hmm. I don't remember which tunnel has a toll. We got any New Yorkers in the house? 
They all have a toll. Have a exactly. Toll. <laughs> it was a trick question. Right. <laughs> $100,000 to the lady with the green hair. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, the we're going through the toll, and we're in this short bus, which was technically, it, had, it only had uh, two axles, mm-hmm. okay? Set of front wheels, set of back wheels. It's a car, because hey. the car has two axles, That's right. right? That's right. So we get up to the toll, and the lady's like, $35, you know, and it's like, $35, like, yeah. it says cars are 13 Right. And she's like, it's a bus. And I was like, well, it, well, actually, you know, it only has two axles, so, you know, <laughs> turns yeah. out it's a car, you uh-huh. know? And she goes, look at it. <laughs> it's a bus. <laughs> and I'll never forget that. So that's kind of what happened with Wolfpack. Uh-huh. I was like, no, we're a German rhythm section. It's like... Looks to me like you're four dudes from Ann Arbor College <laughs> <Right>. band. <laughs> right. You're a band. You're a band. I was like, oh, okay, we're a band. Yeah. I guess if it looks like a bus and it eats diesel, it's a bus. Right, you know, right. So we're a band. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that long story long, but um, okay, where are we? I got it. I got it. Here we go. So you, you learn from, <laughs> oh, yeah. with your non-band Wolfpack, yes. Yes. <laughs> on how, do you, how you kind of got started. And, yeah, we, were, we yeah. were tracking all this stuff um, instrumentally in the studio, but we'd perform it live and we'd... We'd uh, you know record in such a way that you could um, capture, let's say, the bass guitar is going to be DI direct input from the guitar into the recording console, right? Mm-hmm. Um, DI the bass, same thing. So you have total sonic separation, total isolation of these sounds from the bass and the guitar. Close mic the drums. Very, pr- they're pretty much the only live acoustic thing in the room, right? And then the Wurlitzer, Woody on Wurlitzer, is mm-hmm. also going direct. So you end up with this like total studio magic thing, but you got a live performance. Mm-hmm. And Jack had the idea of like, let's put a camera up and film it. Yeah. This will be like watching footage of like old Grey Whistle Test or something, you know, where it's like, wow, is that Bill Withers playing live and it right. sounds this good? Like, yeah. It's totally possible to do that. And... So over the years, we were doing that, and then at some point, Jack's, you know, we're going to sing a song that I wrote, mm-hmm. and it's like, I realized, like, wait, I have to cut this vocal live, because mm. that's what Wolf does. Right. And it was like, oh, I can't do that, you know? And then I was like, wait, of course I can do that. I do that on stage. Yeah. Why can't I do that in the studio, you know? So I did that in the studio, and then I started developing this comfort with, like, loving cutting the vocal live. On Modern Johnny Sings, that record, I cut three or four of the tracks live in studio, right? Isolating the tones like I did with Wolf. It's a different sound. I wasn't going for the Wolf aesthetic, but basically that same process. Were you in an isolation booth while you were doing it live? Yeah, like I'm in an isolation booth. This is on Modern Johnny Sings. I'm in an isolation booth. I've got headphones in. Sure. Louis Cato's on drums, Mm -hmm. which is already, you you win already. It doesn't matter (laughs) what you're doing. Um, And Louis is in an isolation booth. And then Joe is in the other room with Joe Lee. Joe Dart on bass. Joe Dart on bass. Yeah. And those songs, I just noticed, like, man, those were the easiest to finish, mm-hmm. like, from recording to mixing to finish. Mm-hmm. They were the most thrilling for me. Mm. I felt like they pulled the most incredible performances I have in me out of me. Yeah. I did stuff I didn't even think I could do yeah. because I was brought up to the level. It's like, yo, you got to go fight Mike Tyson right now. It's right. like, oh, crap. Well, I better figure out how to throw a punch, you know? Yeah. It was like that kind of uh, stakes make the game thing. And I have to say, this is, I don't know if this is woo-woo, 
but they all did the best on Spotify. Mm, except with one exception, which is like, what's going on there? Like, is the algorithm sniffing the authenticity of the live capture? <laughs> I don't know. Call me crazy, but... That is the new algorithm. That's it the can, new algorithm. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, when you come to my house, it is. Yeah, it's the new algorithm, the algorithm. Live right. capture. So let's live go game. into that for a sec. Yeah. That's cool. With yeah. the new album. Yes. Basically, I had always been dream- As Okay, actually, what happened was that Beatles documentary came out. Mm, the Paul Jackson one where they uh, were in that room. Yes. Uh, it, yeah. it was the making of Let It Be. It was called right. Get Back. Get Back, Have anyone, yeah. Has anyone seen that? It's like six and a half hours long. It's amazing. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, it's very worth it. I can't recommend it highly enough, but it was Peter like... Peter Jackson. I said Paul Jackson. You did. I meant I was Peter like, Jackson. I was like, I don't know the guy's name, but no, I don't no, think it was the Paul The Lord Jackson. of the Rings guy, Peter Jackson, that, that did the... Yeah. Uh, yeah, pulled all the old footage. Thank you. Yes. yes. So when you watch that, I'm watching that documentary and it's like... In addition to like seeing, I had to turn it off a bunch of times because like, I was like, oh my God, Jesus is going to walk on water now? I can't, I can't watch this. It's going to turn the water into wine. I can't do it. Yeah. Turn it off. Yeah. It was like Paul's playing Let It Be and it's right. like, and they're working it out. And this yeah. is the take, you yeah. know, like that freaked me out. I, I had to, I had to take a break from that. Um, and actually funny story, I started the documentary with my friend and his, at the time, seven-year-old daughter and we were like, we start watching it and she, maybe a half hour in, she's like, dad, did the Beatles break up? Oh, ooh, that's like Santa's not real. I know. And, he, <laughs> and he's like, it's just such a trippy thing. He's like, do they break up? Well, they did break. You know, like we're talk, looking at the past, but yeah. she doesn't know. Yeah. Oh, and, he, and he's like, yeah, honey, they do eventually. And she, and she just like, she lost it. Oh, she no. just, it was, yeah. we had to turn yeah. it off. It was yeah. like, and yeah. I, I oh, felt gosh. her. I was like, I know uh-huh. this is really bad news. Hard. The Beatles break up. Yeah. I understand. It was so, it was so pure. Uh, like I'm, I'm further from the source than she is at this moment with, with my 36 <laughs> years of age, but I have to it say, still hurts. I feel you homie. <laughs> yeah. That, that hurts is just as much now. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Um, so I watched that and I thought, well, this is the template like we now all know everybody just saw that basically they put one mic in front of there we go in front of every sound source so if you're singing there's one mic on you if there's a guitar you're playing there's one mic in front of you okay ringo gets four that's fine he's the drummer maybe he gets four i don't even remember it's like a couple mics on the drums one mic on everyone else and that's the record yeah and i and i don't know something something like in my brain where i was like this is the way you make records Mm. you don't need to do all this what are you potentially losing you know when you when you isolate everything and you comp everything to death and you just hit just kick please okay paste Mm -hmm. that everywhere snare paste it everywhere yeah now i i never did that i have never recorded that way and i understand that there are like different kinds of music and some of my favorite music is more like maybe you might call it like um i don't know what kind of art form like is it sculpture to do that where you're like i'm pasting i'm copy pasting but i'm making this amazing collage out of it like there is incredible art that was made in in the modern era with contemporary production i can't do it myself because i don't trust myself i quickly lose the source Mm. for me so anyway, I saw that Beatles thing and I was like, I'm making my whole next record live, no headphones, with bleed, in the room, in a small room, 
so help me God, and I will die on this hill, is how mm. I felt, <laughs> you know? And, and uh, luckily I have friends who are also crazy and very talented at recording in this way. And um, yeah, there was a series of just like kismet, you know, events as, 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 as they say, like, you know, when you start to sort of let life know that you want to do something, it sort of starts showing up and responding in that way. And I hadn't even really told anyone this. And then uh, Phil Weinrobe, who's a great, um, incredible recording engineer and mixing engineer mm -hmm. in, uh, out of Brooklyn in New York, he works a, a lot out of uh, Figure Eight, which is a great recording studio there, but he also has his own studio. And Phil just hit me up and was like, hey, man, when are we making a record? Mm. And I've been a fan of Phil for a while, and I really like Phil. And I was like, uh, what are you doing on the 18th? You know, I was like, how about next month, you know? And he's like, yeah, cool. So, and but this is at the cabin Oh, in yeah, the I didn't even talk about that in yet. Mich in the middle of nowhere. You guys got a few minutes? What are we I, doing I think, uh, No, this is, well, yeah, let's, let's get that, because yeah, that's yeah. really interesting. Because the way that you recorded Heartbreak Hits, uh, yeah. your 2017 album, I believe. Yes. Um. Didn't you play almost everything on that record? You played the drums. Yeah, so because my first instrument is drums, I, I, I really like, when I write songs, I write with the whole band arrangement in mind, and the drums are like an inextricable part of the composition to me, even though they're not reflected in the chords or the melody or anything like that. I just start, the songs is, it, the drums are in my head from mm -hmm. the moment of inception of the song, and I can't, I can't do anything about it, you know? And I am a pain in the ass to work with if you're a drummer, hmm. because, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, it's like, uh, oh yeah, I love it. Would you mind? Well, and then it's like, Let all right, show I'm you. just Let gonna play this. <laughs> um, yeah. But I also have really found incredible drummers in my life who actually now I'm at the point where I'm like, no, I don't want to play drums on this. I want you to play on this. Mm. So with this record, I mean, you're all um, sitting around in a room, yeah. no headphones. Yeah, you're so on Heartbreak Hits, I because actually it was quite funny. My, my friend Tyler Duncan, who produced that record, we go into his studio, we get drum sounds, and I'm like, all right, yeah, let's start with the first song. He's like, what's it called? I'm like, it's called Hard Work. He's like, okay, cool. I'm like, we get the tempo put the click on and I do a take and I'm like, all right, yeah, that's it. And he's like, okay. Like he has no idea what the song is. I'm just like, yeah, yeah we're good. You Next just played song. the drum. There was no scratch or anything. No to scratch. That. You just, you just knew I it in your head. I played drums for the entire record. Just clicked with no audio. Damn. Yeah. Okay. That's a skill. That's, I mean, <laughs> I don't, I just hear it that way. And wow. so I did that. And then I played, guitar uh -huh. and and Joe played bass yeah. and we cut that together but we had a drum track so i ended up playing most of the instruments on gotcha. the album so it's anyway. but then you know for, between heartbreak hits and be the wheel you've now done a bunch of tours you've yeah. tracked many wolfpack records yeah. um and you've now figured out the recording style and technique that is most meaningful to you that can bring out the best performances and what that's you, like, the thing man if i everyone i mean i'm not knocking the other way you know recording digitally with the ability to overdub every part has you it, it can sound incredible and you can still really deliver and it can yield incredible results and i've made many albums that way but i realized that mm -hmm. if the task is documenting the fiercest Theo Katzman, most vulnerable 
Theo Katzman most raw. If that's the task, if mm-hmm. we want that result, I, there's only one way I can do that. I have to perform. That's it. You know, and there has to be stakes. And like, if you can do it on tape, even better, because now that's not going to pay for that. Did you record shit. the tape? I did, yeah. The whole album is live, two, two inch tape, Holy in my shit. house, in the woods. Uh, raise your hand if you've ever recorded to tape before, straight to tape. Okay, one, two, three. That's actually more than I thought. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. That's impressive. Um, I've, yeah. I've, I've been in a studio with a tape deck. Yeah. I've seen I mean, it roll. Tape? I've seen a razor on top of it, but there's no way that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I tape, mean, <laughs> tape is a, is a pain in the ass, you know, in a lot of ways, and it's also just like so thrilling to me. I don't know. It's thrilling beyond. It it's a freaking tape machine, man. It got you're like, wait, where is the sound? It's like it's a ritz in that thing. Yeah. You know? It's like it's and 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 just to be clear, I don't um, I don't feel religious about the sonics of tape i don't think like oh you can't make a great record not on tape um what's much more important is the performance Mm -hmm. getting a performance whether you do it live or not so in other words if you were to be like yeah i can't i'm not recording on tape i have a 200 dollars laptop with logic no problem just record a performance of your voice even if it's an overdub on a sample you know as opposed to i'm going to record 50 performances and take the best each word now I know, look, we've all done it. Look at me. I know you've done it. I've done it. If I can admit I've done it, then you've done it. Now, is it's not like it's not like that's a sin, but I think you what you end up doing, and this is my whole new philosophy, okay. is like if your music is going to be well, I say it, let me say it a different way. With music creation, we each have the opportunity to document our true selves in a given moment, the fullness of our ability to perform, whatever that means. Now, I I can almost guarantee that the first time you do that, you are not going to like it, hmm. okay? Because it's very difficult to like yourself. Hmm. Surprise, you know, I didn't make this up. It's hard to like yourself even harder to love yourself. One of the ways you can learn to love yourself is you practice accepting yourself. One of the ways you can practice accepting yourself is recording a full take. Mm. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm going to tattoo that on my arm. I'm dead That's serious. Fantastic. <laughs> you don't have to put it you don't even have to put it out, but it's like <laughs> let let you know, stare and let you're playing for the Lord out here. Like it's like you know, it's like we're we're watching we being our internal audience and ourself and whatever mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. and it's like i i i got to a point where i was like i can't stand actually to be honest i just got i got a i made records the other way and mm-hmm. i was like something's missing i'm mm-hmm. proud of these albums i think they're excellent they're my best work up to that time but something is missing like i feel like my i felt like you know this stuff is like impressive but I don't know if it like is something you just like put on and listen to. Now, the numbers of my Spotify would say that I'm incorrect. People are listening to it. Mm-hmm. You know, but there'd be this thing that would happen at the shows, which is like, man, I know I am on the edge of my own potential here. You know, I put out this record called Modern Johnny Sings Songs in the Age of Live, 
which mm-hmm. was the, the sort of album, yeah. from that tour. And I filmed it. I spent all this money getting a film crew in New York. Brooklyn Steel sold out 1,800 tickets. My man was That's there. Right. I was there. <laughs> you can see my head bobbing in that video. That? I don't know, whatever, tour. Yeah, we, you're like, yeah, we had dinner, remember? Yeah, I was like, there, oh yeah, my yeah. God. We... <laughs> Sorry. No, 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 it was cool. Yeah. It was anyway, great. I remember you were there. Okay, anyway. <laughs> maybe i don't i don't remember i don't know no, you texted me afterwards and you're like yes. i saw you bobbing okay. out there no, that's true yeah i mean okay. come on there we yeah. go. my fro is like three feet taller than the rest yeah so yeah it's yeah a, you, exactly you don't miss it yeah well and you know when you switch the night every night it's yeah. you're just like it's like where i saw you in uh dublin it's like no it's dallas right. like dallas <laughs> yeah it's like the same people but the yeah, yeah, yeah. The background yeah. keeps changing yeah anyway i was saying that i filmed that show recorded it Spent a bunch of money doing that. My money, of course. I'm an indie artist, so mm-hmm. all to say, I invested in making this live recording, and then the pandemic hit, and you know, I was depressed, mm. and I'm sure many people were. But I, I went through a really hard time, and I couldn't. I listened to that recording, and I was I just couldn't stand hearing it. Mm. I couldn't stand hearing my imperfections. Oh, I wow. couldn't stand it, and. And I had hired my friend who's a really talented director to like do that, you know, get the film crew, put it together. And I didn't even look at the video for a year and a half. Hmm. And I went to the woods and I had this whole other journey, you know, went inward. And then one day I'm like, I got the courage. I was like, I'm just going to like, I think I'll just watch a little bit of the video. And the video looked insane. I was like, wow, this looks amazing. And I was like, man, we're kind of getting it. So then I'm like, all right, I'll just put the audio on, you know, and I listened to audio and whatever had happened to me in that time in between, it was like, dang, man, this rips. Like, find me someone doing this. Yeah. And I was like, wait, it's me. (laughs) You know? The music didn't change, but you changed. Yeah. You had that acceptance where... Yeah, and, 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 and... this was this was a key nugget too. Is my friend Bob Lester, who directed the um, the mo- the film Robert Lester, I know him as Bob. What can I say? Um, he's like, I there was a couple moments where I'm like, oh man, I don't really nail that. I didn't really nail that. That's a little out of tune. Mm-hmm. And he goes and he said, one, I'll never forget this. I think this is the truth. He's like, I'm paraphrasing it. But basically, he was like, when you let that be heard you're telling the the audience has this experience of realizing that you are playing at your edge mm. and then you're going beyond it. And that is the most thrilling thing for them. And then it made me think like, wait a minute, how many times have we, we have this sort of cliche notion in music where we're like, oh, so-and-so is really good. And then we're like, what about that, that person? You're like, oh yeah, it's just like a, I don't know, you know, like virtuoso. Like, you know, boring. And you're like, wait, how could it be that a virtuoso could be boring? I've been fascinated with this for a long time because I, I generally don't agree. But do you, are you guys, you know what I'm talking about? We're like, oh, chops guy. Well, oh, I think, a chops cat. I, I think what it comes down to is, is like if they, the, the why virtuosos can be boring is if there's no soul or feeling behind it or if it's if it feels inauthentic and they're like, oh, they can shred. It's like right. they know okay. how to play all the notes, but is there any intention behind those notes? Agreed. And I want to take a step further. I think part of our perception of whether there's intention behind the notes is whether we can sniff that this person is actually getting into their red zone 
of mm. challenge, mm. you know? And if they just go like, and you're right. pretty clear that they can kind of do that for 12 hours, <laughs> you're kind of like, I don't care. Right. You know, but like, but Keith Jarrett gets in his red zone. Mm-hmm. Nobody's talking about John Coltrane not getting in the red zone, right? right? What's going on there? It's like, those guys live in the red zone. And it's not a chops thing at that point. It transcends it. So like Oscar Peterson, I know I'm going all jazz here, but like those happen to be the keepers of the furthest we've pushed American musical improvisation. And Mm -hmm. I think um, Oscar Peterson is like, what the heck, man? It's the most incredible, like makes me cry. And it's chopsy. You don't think about the chops. You're just like, this person is just playing you through the angels of... Of, so- of sound, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, anyway, I think that's the difference, playing yeah. to your edge, and so playing to your edge probably includes you allowing your two or three notes that are a little bit out of tune, yet totally acceptably out of tune, to be heard, mm. because it also tells you that every single other note is in tune, baby. <laughs> this cat can really sing, because he's out of tune in that one spot. You see what I mean? When I've worked with other artists, that's that's happened as well, where it's like, oh, we got to do that again. And I'm like, we're not doing it again. It's like, I got it, but it's out of tune. I'm like, I know, but it's the only place in the record. And if you don't let this happen, people are going to think we we tuned it, mm-hmm. but we didn't. You're just that good. You know what I mean? So we've gotten to a point where the technology is so good that we're starting we're starting to have the potential to lose our own ability to perceive whether something's real or not. I mean, definitely. In recorded music. Yeah, I'm not trying to come here and be like the robots are coming. It's like they came. Right, it's They're over. Here. Like the, it's done. Yeah, yeah. I think now it's the beginning. You know, like are you going to record? Are you going to make a recording or not? Well, I think people are are craving yeah. uh, the human connection, and because yes. we've gotten so digital, it's like however you make records. Because I'm sure there's a lot of people here that will still be able to have that intention and the the humanity, and they record everything within the box. Totally. And so it's it's not necessarily even just about like you know tracking live in a room with other musicians and pushing yourself into the red zone, which is important. Anyone can push themselves to the red zone with whatever their um, whatever their yes, their instrument their of choice tool is. is, yeah, their tools are. Totally. And it could be a DAW, um, but I think the humanity is really what you're getting to, and people are craving that. And yeah. some of the most memorable moments for everyone on any record, whether it's a Dua Lipa pop record or whether it's a Theo Kasman record, it is those those moments of imperfection where you're like, oh, that was a moment that happened real yes. in the studio, and they captured it. And they left it in there. Yes. And then you always remember that. Yes. Because like, oh, there's humanity there. Absolutely. How many how many records can you think of where you're like, if you know you, I mean, it happens even on Zeppelin records. It's like there's moments where Bonham drags just a hair. <laughs> it's amazing. And you're like miming the fill, and you're like, but yeah. that one's a little slower. Bang! It's not like the guy can't keep they didn't freaking shift groove it together. back the in Pro ever. Tools like seven milliseconds there because they didn't right. have the opportunity. <laughs> so. It's. I, right. I want to be clear. It's not about digital versus analog. It's about committing to a performance. That's yeah. it. Capturing a performance. And yes, I agree. You can do that in your bedroom by yourself. I will just say, for me, as soon as the red buttons that you know, as, as mm-hmm. soon not the red button, as soon as the opportunity to sort of like really hang out with the devil is there, yeah, I'll hang with them. You yeah. know, I'll 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 keep them there. As yeah. in, like, oh, I could edit. I could comp from 50 takes, I'll do it, 
You know, yeah. of course you'll do it. It's the it's like, but what I want to present to you guys tonight is the notion that you potentially lose your ticket to self-love when you do that. Now, you might gain, I don't know, maybe you'll hit some cultural funny bone because your stuff is totally perfect and sounds amazing and you get more money and fame. That could be true. I don't know. But you, you do have the potential to let the, the microphone and the DAW or the tape machine be the mirror and that's where this stuff gets really deep to me. I don't care if any of us make a living in music. Sorry. I don't. I do. I know. Ari does. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Myself included. I do care. Okay. All right. I screwed it up. I don't know. That was good. I teed you up. No, I do. I do want you to make it. I do want you to make it. All right. Wow. How do I get back from that? Here we go. <laughs> My point is that, um, that that would be a second order effect ideally from every one of us getting you know engaging in processes that that really force us to accept ourselves and hopefully learn to love ourselves mm. imagine doing that and then making a living right wow you'd be kind of like well, the happiest person to ever live yeah that's not bad and it is about it this, what you're striving for i think it's 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 not just i think we as a society are so obsessed with fame and money yeah and that we put so much value into the numbers and the bank account and you know the fame the celebrity and all of that whereas really what you're getting to is like where is that self-love and acceptance and the ultimate goal should really be happiness yeah not fame fortune yes we we want to be you know living comfortably yeah you want to be heard too that's real mm -hmm. you but know you don't want to, if you compromise yourself too much to the point for what you think you should be striving for then you're going to lose yourself completely totally and then you're not going to be happy no matter how much money's in your bank account but totally and also man what you're trying to do from from what i know about you is you're trying to help people who are who want to do this you're trying to help them do it more effectively. Mm -hmm. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah. That's I I highly value that. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Thank you. <clears throat> so it's and 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 authentically. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's the thing. It's like we can learn, <clears throat> you know, we can take example from everybody out there and how they're doing it and making it work in their own unique way. And this is why it's so fascinating hearing your take on it because you are doing it so dramatically different differently from so many other artists out there doing it right now, right now but right. making it work in your way. And the, you know, the ultimate goal is for everyone to find what is their path. It's yeah. like nobody here can do the Theo Katzman thing because there's only one Theo Katzman, but there's only one of each of you out there too. No one can do it your way either. Yes, that's a key point. Yes. So, so this is why I'm advocating for f taking the extra time and possibly a little more pain to, you don't have to share it with anyone, but spend some time with yourself documenting yourself in this way, capturing a full performance on whatever your instrument or voice is. Just see how, see what happens. I, I'm pretty sure you're like 98% of the way there. Like you're way better than you think you are. I mean, that's one thing here or there. Fine. So work on it, you know? And, and the, the joke to me is that think of all the classic records we love. Do, do they, do any of them sound the same as any other one from the era are you like 
oh yeah, Zeppelin III, oh, it's the same as the Eagles that year. No, it's totally different. And by the way, it's the same producer. It's Glenn Johns, you know? Why is it different? Because it's a different everything, including a different moment in time where someone takes a microphone out of a closet and puts it somewhere in some room. You want to get a unique sound? Ta tear your mics down after every session. Put them back up again. You know? You're going to get a different sound. It's, it's almost a joke. It's like so easy to, mm -hmm. be, to become unique if you just allow yourself to do what this art form is called, which is record. If you make <laughs> a recording of a moment in time, it's a unique moment in time. But if you only drag in the Logic drummer, you know, new, amazing sounding, perfect kit... It's, you're going to have to work harder to get to that, to not sound like everyone else who's also doing it because everyone has that program. Does that make sense? Well, that's It's not impossible. Yeah. I, just, I just don't have the patience to make my album twice. I'm going to make it once, goddammit. I can't stand <laughs> the idea of making this twice, as in making it and then figuring out what it's going to sound like a second time. That's like a special kind of hell for me. <laughs> yeah, I mean... <laughs> Sorry for all the expletives. Is this okay? That's okay. It's too late. Right. <laughs> it's too late. Um, yeah, and I think it's like, you know, there is a way that you have found to make records that resonate so deeply with you in a way because it's a, like how a lot of your influences and what and yeah. how you resonate uh, primarily with music, but it's like the core of what everything is is that authenticity is that yeah. human connection is like you know going for that now I, you know you do some production work as well 100 percent. and when you approach productions is this when you have your producer hat on and there's an artist that pushes back and was like i can i want to sing that again or i want to comp my vocals like i know if i can sing you know seven takes we can take the best one and maybe take five will be the best but like how do you work with those artists with your producer hat on who may, you know, not um, be as comfortable with that process? Good question. So I tell them exactly the way I really want to do it ahead of time. And I warn them that if we do the process, I want, it depends on the artist. Mm -hmm. But if it's someone who can really sing great songs, then I... I like to set them up in such a way that they are tattooed to the entire thing. And if they make a mistake, sorry, that's it. That's the one we're going with. Because we all know that was the take, except for that <laughs> one moment. I try, to, I try to set up a situation where you can't, you're trapped. Mm. Like, sorry, and you're trapped. And they know that going into work And they know you. that going into work with them. And I'm not interested <laughs> in doing anything else at the moment. So, yeah. because I, frankly, I'm not, I'm not whiz kid I'm not DAW whiz kid. I have some friends who are, and they're geniuses. Sure. And it's like, please call them to to take. If you want to take a shot at what's on top forty? Like, don't call me. I'm gonna get you to write a song, and we're gonna record it on acoustic guitar. But hey, man, work for Jack Johnson. So you know, maybe that's not so crazy, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. So I just I I want to be clear that I'm not trying to be um, religious about the the thing that I'm that I'm trying to warn about is basically it's gotten like too easy to avoid performing. And so I don't care how you make your record. I just think that performing something mm -hmm. 
is the way is the doorway to authenticity mm. and you can take a hundred performances if you want but be careful about like yeah you can comp i've comped you know but like there i don't there's some term that the japanese have for this and i i can't remember what it is phil told me about it where it's like there's a certain amount of like yeah yeah cool we're gonna we're gonna you know add like splice it like okay dink we put two things together but once you have like 50 edit points like you have broken this energetic field mm -hmm. and i'm sorry if this is ruining anyone's day i didn't come here to bum <laughs> bum you out we did have I, a couple of people walk out i can't <laughs> that's okay <laughs> your money back wait right. it was free wasn't it or maybe it wasn't i don't know sorry point is okay oh my god but my point is just yeah. that um that uh, there, there is a doorway to authenticity. I'm just saying, be careful with. Depends what the goal is, but like, I, I would, all, I would almost guarantee that everyone in this room has more they can discover, myself included, about themselves and what their gifts really are with within the realm of recording and record making. Mm. If they take a little, slightly different approach um, to to really trying to focus on a performance and even experiment with like. You know what? Let's let's embrace bleed. Let's see what that sounds like. Mm. What does it sound like if the drummer has to to hit really soft because if he hits too hard, he's gonna ruin my vocal take. Mm. Now we're like, man, we are tethered. It's like that's like no one's getting off this ship alive if someone if someone tries to take the exit. Like we're all dead. You know. I mean, that's I like, like that energy, yeah. <laughs> and that's what I hear. Like the yeah. scary pocket sessions are like um, because and like because they, they are. are. That's all in a room as well, and the drummer's playing so quiet. Yeah, and and they've and as a result, guess what's happened? They've gotten insane at doing that process. Right, you can get they're, they're and everyone they get to work with is just getting they're just getting better, mm -hmm. and and basically you end up becoming the the wrecking crew, man. Or yeah. and, you know, in terms of your your skill set, chops is yeah. like people. Um, you know, my friends who play on the late night shows. Mm -hmm. They're so ridiculously fast at learning songs. I mean, it's like, it's actually like freakish. I've seen cats be like, they're like, and it's like the taping's about to happen on the Colbert show. And it's like, it's like, and we're on in five. And Batiste looks at me and he's like, he's got an ear, he's got a thing in it. And he's like, <laughs> he makes like a C shape. Like, is this in, this is in C? And I'm, I'm like, I'm like, yeah. he's like, cool. And it's like, and he's like bang and he plays <laughs> the whole song it was like i know he didn't learn it beforehand like he's that good yeah how do you get that good obviously he's a freakazoid genius but also you do it every night that way so mm -hmm. i'll just say whatever your process is keep doing it um i just want to throw out the notion of like maybe there's a little trap door where you could find more of yourself in recording mm. you know it's you know I think it's also all about intention of of what you're trying to build and do with your career, yeah. And and because the like you have built a, a career where you have a diehard fan base, and what's so interesting is it's like and they resonate with with your recordings, with your lyrics, with your music, your performances. You know, you put on killer shows, and that's why people keep coming back. Um. But it's like we're at a very interesting time in the music industry yes, because there are um, artists out there um, who, 
you know, have have triggered that algorithm so perfectly um, where they're getting gazillions of streams and the numbers are are crazy. And you look at that and they can't sell 50 tickets to their hometown show. Right. That's now, tough. You know, I, I, I like your numbers um uh in comparison yeah they're not crazy they're they're modest totally you know we're talking like 170,000 uh monthly listeners on yeah. spotify currently is what i've seen and like you know 80,000 instagram followers it's like right. if we look at numbers if you look at that you're like oh well you know that's uh in in the grand scheme of what the crazy landscape looks like right now like oh my gosh that's not much no it doesn't but even this, get you any real looks from it, the no. industry either but even after playing, you sell out the rooms that an artist 10x the numbers doesn't sell out and that's they what don't you're stay. doing yeah you're playing like, oh, one okay. to three thousand cap rooms yeah and selling out all of these rooms and like that doesn't compute for uh, totally. most people in the industry it's like wait a minute you're selling three thousand tickets a night and your Spotify numbers are what? And, I know. And that, but that's because you go deep, not wide. Ah. Uh, and that's where we're at as this industry right now. There's a lot of artists that tap and that get like love from all the Spotify editors and, and everything. And they, mm-hmm. they go wide. They're on every playlist. Everybody's listening. They got millions upon millions of streams, but they can't sell the tickets. They don't go deep. They don't have fans. Right. And fans you is have the key. You have found your audience that is so deep that they will follow you wherever you go. You have a career. Like you have a career and you will have a career for the rest of your life because these fans will stick with you for the rest of your life because you continue to push yourself. But it's like you have found a way to connect authentically with that audience and not necessarily chase the editors or the algorithm or anything like that, which we are bombarded at all times with what you're supposed to do. Totally. You know, I wrote a 650 page book on what you're supposed to do. necessarily, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's also like, you know, studying what everyone has done. And what I keep coming back to is that like you have carved your own way, paved your own path in a way that doesn't make sense to 99% of the people out there. But the 1% that really resonates with it, loves it so much that you're their favorite artist that's really cool i'm uh, thanks for saying all that i i think you're right and that and i that was my dream you know to be honest it's like i just want to and i i also knew that to be to be honest i can't do any of what you just said i don't know how you hit every funny bone um in the in the or you know in the, the industry is its own its own kind of like thousand-headed beast or whatever yeah right and there's all these people that are trying to um help and yeah i i'm i'm to me like live performance i also had the good fortune of like starting to really play shows when i was a teenager Mm -hmm. so it was like there's nothing better than playing a concert to me i love the studio i love it nothing against the studio it is one of my favorite things in the world but like man it's the stage for me. Mm-hmm. So it's like, that's more important. And I've had to eat it as a, in my own ego many times and continue to when I go, man, but thing, like these numbers aren't that high. Yeah. It's like, yeah, but the tickets are there. Yeah. So it's like, oh, well, okay, I'll take that. Yeah. Sounds good. And But that that feels like weird even to some of the people that work with me who are like, man, it would be, you know, you got to get your numbers up. 
And I'm like, how are the tickets doing? And they're like, well, it's, you know, it's sold out. But, you know, <laughs> I'm like, so it sounds like we need a big, bigger venue. Yeah. <laughs> with a higher ticket price. Well, it's like, and then it goes to like, you know? what, what are the, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> what are the intentions and like, yeah. what kind of career are you looking to build? For are me, look- that's what I want. Mm-hmm. You want it, right. And I, and, and, and I also think like, you know, you and I have talked a little bit about some ways to organically promote your music on the internet. Mm-hmm. And I want to do that because... I like you said. I want to have lifelong fans. Like I, the 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 way I was able to conceive of this was like I had to think. Well, who are the people that I? It's like if Brandy Carlisle does something, I'm going to go. Yeah, great. I want to hear it. You know, I have artists that are like my favorite artists. So it's like maybe I could be one of those artists for someone. Mm-hmm. Maybe for ten people. Maybe for a hundred. Maybe for a thousand. Maybe for ten thousand. Wow, that would be crazy. Yeah. But it's possible, mm-hmm. you know. But but how would I get there? I was like, well, I have if I, I just knew that if I tried to mess with my, and it's not like I'm some authentic from birth. Like, look at me, I'm Mister Authentic. It's been a process. I used to yeah. do stuff I hated doing, mm. and luckily none of it, none of it worked at all. That's the joke in my life. I got so burnt out doing stuff that didn't, that I didn't like because I thought it was going to make me successful and paid, mm. and I completely fell on my face harder mm. than I, I could even tell yeah basically i mean also at the same around the same time like my dad died and i had all these emotional things happen that just like i felt like it felt like a certain kind of rock bottom yeah emotionally and i just thought like you know what i'm just gonna make music with my friends mm. screw this whole thing and my friends happen to be Wolfpack, and so lucky me yeah. it's like what a joke though that doing the most punk least give a crap thing turned into the most lucrative thing Mm. like or whatever you want to call it it's not like we're you know we're not we're not i mean you're selling out madison square garden yeah that that's good that's That's very good good. that's very good it's extremely expensive to play madison square garden (laughs) i will tell you yeah but um might be the most expensive room in the world yeah (laughs) like to turn lights on it sure um but not no no complaints whatsoever but yes point is like if I, I'm not the right guy to ask in a way because I'm like, yeah, do ex- do your most authentic thing. And everyone's like, well, it's not going to work. I'm like, work for well, me. Here, here's, the, here's the thing. And this is like as somebody who is, has been following along the Wolfpack journey yeah. from the beginning and the Theo Kassman journey, yeah. um, you know, I picked that up. I kind of probably came into right around Heartbreak Hits time. Totally. I remember. But, yeah. You were very supportive, my man. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> um, but the the thing that that's that why you know i've studied this for a little bit of like why wolfpack has resonated so deeply um with so many people in a way is that when everyone in the industry is doing it one way exactly wolfpack goes a completely different direction it's like 10 years ago eight ten years ago when there was the youtuber thing happening and everything was they were pristine videos and everybody was lip syncing and it was everyone f- figured out you could get a dslr camera for 800 bucks right and like you know shot you light it really well and then everyone's making bubbly videos and like lip syncing to camera we all remember that what the youtuber thing was happening probably yeah. everyone in this room or most of us experimented with that a little bit guilty you know and it's the same like, i it, i i traded my dslr for a laptop like two years ago bro i was i still got that dizzler man i can't i don't know how to turn it on (laughs) and so it's like that was what was happening and that's what everybody did and then when wolfpack comes out you guys are in a room 
Um, and it's you're recording live and you're shooting a one take video on an iPhone. It looks like, and it's like really grainy. It's totally. like seemingly low quality video, but it's this crazy performance that you're in the room for, and everybody's capturing yeah. it. And everyone's like, "Whoa, that's different. That's really cool." And then everyone's like, "Wait a minute, this." And then they start resonating. They start sharing it because it was so unlike anything else. And now. I mean, fast forward, everyone's doing the live from the studio videos in, right. you know, a big part. I mean, Silk Sonic, I would, I would attribute to taking inspiration from what Wolfpack kind of started with this movement eight years ago of like live well, in the studio. The one, you know, everyone's got that one text, you know. <laughs> Ooh, who's your one I got text? one text. Ooh. There was a time in my life <laughs> where I texted Anderson Pack and he responded to me and I think he changes his number like a few times a week, (laughs) but it was like, Hey man, we were at the same festival and I had a friend of a friend. I'm like, I love the guy's one of my favorite artists. And I was like, Hey man, you know, we'd love to kick it. And he was like, back pocket is my shit. Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, yeah. And then it went away, but <laughs> hey, Pack, if you're out there, did you did you frame know that and, and put it up on the wall? I mean, that's yeah. I, I had a Google phone at the time. I right. can't even remember. It's all yeah, gone. Right. You know, <laughs> did happen. Yeah, and I mean, but that's that's the thing. It's just like when everyone's doing it one way. If you pave your own way and do it completely differently, that's you actually excel a lot faster because you find your own way. Now, it's not yeah. necessarily easy to find that, but I find that like okay example and i don't know how much you thought about this um but your promo the theo Kassman promo for uh modern johnny sings songs in the age of live the live mm-hmm. album the streaming that was on streaming services was a 10 minute cold plunge one take video of you going into some frozen lake yeah and just waving at the camera going into a frozen lake um just in your boxers and and breathing deeply for 10 minutes yeah and then in the caption was just like oh by the way the the record's out yeah and i'm like the fuck yeah (laughs) and And it it worked (laughs) and it was my most commented on viewed thing (laughs) well and that's the thing it's just like you know you would never expect like oh how do you promote a record no one in a million years would say, go take a cold plunge for 10 minutes in a frozen lake, one take video, record yourself, and then yeah. just write, by the way, that you know, the, the record's out. Uh, well, that, you know, yeah, and I, totally. <laughs> that, that was wild. But the thing is, I'm a, I'm, I'm a recent, um, in the last year and a half, I've gotten into the Wim Hof method. You guys may have heard of it. I this don't know guy. what that is. So this guy, Wim Hof, is um, also known as the Iceman. Uh-huh. You may, you... He's quite popular, um, and he broke the Guinness record years ago for like longest submerged in ice, couple hours mm-hmm. without changing mm-hmm. his core body temperature. All this, he's done all these tremendous physical feats, climb Everest in his shorts with no shirt on and stuff Oof. like that. And so, but yeah, he teaches this deep breathing technique and cold exposure technique. And I did a retreat with him, mm. and it really changed my life. To be completely honest with you, really profoundly affected me, mm. and. So I practice the cold. I have a daily cold practice. And, wow. you know, when I'm in Michigan, I go in the frozen lake, you mm. know? And when I'm in LA, I go to a city spa if I can, or I take a cold shower if that's all I got. But my point is not about the cold. It's about the cold is something that is un- that that I do. Mm. So it's like, what happens if we look into our own lives? Like, wh- in what ways are you are you unique? Do you happen to be like a type face designer and a musician or like maybe you're 
Maybe you grew up working in a dentist's office. I don't know. What does a music video from a dentist chair look like? I've never yeah. seen one. Yeah. Like, in other words, I, I would bet there's something unique about you, which, by the way, surprise, you're totally unique. Every single person is totally unique. But even if you think you're not unique because you, whatever, you're like everyone else, which is obviously not true, there's probably something you could find. And I, I take joy, and I learned this from Jack. Jack would combine all of his weird interests, fetishy, weird, like, yeah, I like type, you know, like, yeah, I like, mm-hmm. you know. Jack Stratton. I like yeah. artificial zooms, like on yeah. video. It's like, what? Yeah. You yeah. know, okay. Like, well, that's wrong, obviously. That is like W-R-O-N-G with an exclamation point after it. <laughs> right. Full caps. But yeah. it works great because he's the only guy doing it because he fully embraced like, I'm just going to do what I love, like, and combine all my weirdness into one thing. And mm-hmm. that's what Wolfpack is. So I took that inspiration was like, man, I'm really into, into the cold. And to be real, the cold has informed a lot of the like heart opening that led to these songs. Hmm. So like, I can't think of a better way to show, to be like, yeah, I have a fully unedited full 90 minute live album with mistakes on it. than going into the freaking ice and being yeah. like, yeah, this is, this is me. Wow. It's the, it's the cold plunge. Like yeah. the, the live vocal is the cold plunge, you know, it's like, are you going to face yourself or, or what, you know? Mm-hmm. So to me, that was the, that was a cool yeah, and I was also kind of like, it was edgy to be like, all right, is anyone going to get this? Yeah. Is any, it's like, I don't know. But they're in that edge, there's some yeah. there's some excitement. And it. so, anyway. And, and then you took that, well, uh, last summer, uh, the Levitate Music Festival that Wolfpack yeah. played in Massachusetts, uh, for Christmas in LA, you actually stripped down, got into a bathtub full of ice water. Yes. And ice. And they literally, like, you should watch this video. It's on YouTube. It's crazy. It's like they have guys coming out and dumping ice in this bathtub, then filling it up with a hose. And then Theo gets from the drums, takes off the robe. They're all wearing robes. He gets into this ice bath, takes the mic, and then conducts what looks to be a hundred thousand people in a sing-along <laughs> and then he starts singing and then you you sing uh and you're belting from the ice bath and then yeah. you just stay there yeah for like the next 10 minutes while you guys kick into dean town and like while you yeah. do another song and uh i i probably safe to say that that no one in the history there of the music industry has <laughs> ever done that that's true man we thought about it, it was like it was like wait bro are you the first one to sing on stage in an ice bath <laughs> yeah, and i was like probably. no i couldn't be and then it was like Wait, of course I am. Of course you are. There's, no one's done this. never <laughs> happened before. Yeah, I know. That was, and you know, people could be, you know, you could look at that and be like, oh, that's boastful or that's like showy. But it's like, once again, I keep saying it, it's like, surprise, it's a it's show. It's a show, yeah. You yeah. know? <laughs> like, are you not entertained? You know? Yeah. That, but also, it's, it's the thing about the ice that I, that I love is it's the ultimate equalizing thing. There's no... No one can boast about the ice because Mother Nature will very, very easily kill er- everything it wants to kill, including mm. me and everyone here. Um, and the ice is, you can't, no one, no one's tougher than the ice. Yeah. Wim Hof has just figured out how to surrender d- so deeply to it that he can just stay there for two hours, which is crazy. Wow. wow. But, but, you know, I can do 15 minutes. That's cool. It's better than, it's better than I was when I started. It's not about the length of time. It was, yeah. it's about like, so whenever anyone, any of that, like, wow, what do you, I think people went from like, what is this guy? Th- who does he think he is? To like being like, oh my God, 
like a couple people emailed me throughout, you know, from different parts of my life and told me that they, they cried, like it made them cry. Mm. And it, cause they were like, wow, you're, you're taking like a dream position of being on stage in front of 20,000 people and just like throwing cold water all over it. Like yeah. it was almost this like ego uh-huh. death thing, yeah. which it is. Yeah. It's like, um, anyway, the ice is just an example of something I love that I feel like is, uh, connected to the spirit of my music you mm-hmm. know so i i would i almost you know the new the cover of my new album is not me in an ice bath but it almost was <laughs> it's you in the <laughs> just, band? just because yeah. it wasn't that great of a photo and i and i i sat with it longer and something else came to me that that felt more resonant but yeah. anyway i think we can all if we that could be a cool like sort of intellectual homework assignment is like just start thinking like excavating your life experience for like what is what is like totally weird and bizarre about you and like what's unique to you that you, is not just oh yeah i play guitar it's like okay what else you know and i not and playing guitar is enough but you know just in terms of when people are looking for their promo edge like maybe it's in more fully incorporating mm-hmm. the aspects of y- you that you already have in your being the weird quirks yeah 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 Real quick, I want to let you know about Two Lost. Two Lost is a new distribution company to the space. And let me tell you, I am very impressed with them. I, I got a full deep dive demo with the founder. And yeah, they're very innovative. And when you come into the distribution space at this stage with how crowded it is, you better be innovative. And they are. Yes, they will get your music out to Spotify, Apple Music, all the places, plus 450 other outlets around the world. They do not take a commission. This is why 300,000 artists and labels have already used them. They've already distributed 7 million songs. They offer payment splitting, and they don't charge your collaborators for this service, for the payment splitting. They will just pay your collaborators directly for free. They have publishing administration with BMG, so you know it's legit. A lot of distributors have have fallen into trouble with using some other uh, less than legit pub admin services. Well, Two Loss is partnered with BMG. You know it's legit. They offer instant royalty advances. Uh, This is something that's very cool. And if you have historical streaming data and you need just a bulk payment up front, they can see how much your music has earned in the past. I'm like, all right, we think we know what you're going to earn in the next three years. Here's a check for 100 grand or whatever it will be. And you can just click a button and get that distributed and um, into your account immediately they do lyrics and credits distribution for free they have a very innovative analytics platform where yes you will see real-time analytics for spotify apple music but also pandora deezer soundcloud and peloton they're the only ones that do peloton Uh, they also have a service where you can search the internet wherever your music is being used And it will just show you a chart of everywhere, every TikTok video, everywhere, every YouTube video, everywhere your music is possibly being used. I've never seen this before. That was very cool. They'll register with SoundExchange. And they have a fraud prevention tool. And they're doing fraud prevention. So if you're worried about your music, you know, getting a bot attack or something like that and getting ripped down, which we've seen is a big issue, uh, they have fraud prevention tools that are better than most other distributors that I have seen. Check out Two Lost. You can just go to twolost.com. Use the promo code Ari's Take for three months free and try them out. Let them know what you think. 
Um, I want to I want to get back to uh, your songwriting process a little bit because cool. we haven't really even touched on that. It was a lot of great. The recording, but can we also talk about my new label that I'm launching at some point? Absolutely. Okay, great. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to forget that. <laughs> we we planned out Theo's release strategy backstage before we got on yeah. here for this new record, but uh, we we got to. Uh, I want to touch on that. But um, so with the songwriting, um, how did you? How did the process evolve, and were these songs written, um, you know, after you went on this this journey, leaving LA in the van and and buying this this place? Um, I mean, you explore a lot of different themes in this. Like something yeah. that has been very pointed throughout your music is, you know, kind of putting a mirror to society, but in a way that is um, very very human, and um, so it's 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 never preachy. Cool. But it is, um, it, it's it's meaningful because you pull out the humanity of it. I'm glad to hear you and feel that way. That's my aim. Yeah. There's this song. Um, there's, um, so it's like on the the only chance that we have. This song yeah, the only chance we have. Yeah. The only chance we have. Um, you know, it's like you explore kind of the downfall of nuance, mm. and we're like, you know, how almost like the the biggest detriment of us falling into like our tribalistic yeah. behaviors and and uh this like what you know social media has kind of done and what society has done and the just the, the belief patterns that we've fallen into um is kind of we lose this fabric of what makes us human which is like connection and family and friendship and community and all of that um i want to uh i want to read some of these these lyrics cuz i like wow. resonated with it um you say you sing um Ten years of friendship flushed down the toilet, click of a button, and now we're fighting a war, each on an island, totally silent. When we fall off the high horse, onto the track, face down the high road, there's no turning back. This is the only chance we have. And then you continue. Yeah. Here comes the headlines, keeping it simple, like cops and robbers, like good and evil, as if the devil ain't in the details. Yeah. Talk about cool, yeah, this man. song a little bit. Nice. That really resonated with me. I'm so glad. I, thanks yeah. for, for digging into it, man. Dude. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, we all just live through a totally bizarre nightmare um, for a multitude of reasons or like so much, so much tremendous difficulty in the last two years, the world over. And, you know, it was just, I just saw so many people in my life get caught in a spiral of like hatred born out of fear. And it's like, you know, people in my own family, like someone disagreed with some, someone said something on Facebook and now it's like, oh, you know, there goes Thanksgiving and Christmas and whatever. And it's like, man, are you kidding me, man? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to do that. It's like, yeah, well, but she voted for, it's like, I don't care. Mm-hmm. I mean, I care, but not in that way. You know, like to me that I just kind of got, I got like, I just experienced some things that made me have to really, I hadn't, I had to face um, the more of like the heart of compassion, you know, like starting to really be like, wait, I've been, a huge problem in this realm too. Um, the the talking points of the world, you know, the media is a is a business, 
surprise. <laughs> I keep saying surprise, but yeah. And so it's, I don't, I don't think this is conspiratorial, but like they, they have to sell, they sell headlines and headlines are inherently a, uh, dramatic distillation of a situation. And if you only read the headlines, it's very easy to be pushed in one camp or another camp. And next thing you know, you're doing the digital equivalent of like punching someone in the face at the grocery store. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like the beauty, th- the beautiful thing of about humanity is like, if you go to the grocery store, chances are if, if someone drops their banana, you're going to pick it up and go, Oh, here you go. And they go, Oh, thanks so much. Yeah. You don't know who they voted for. You know, you don't punch them in the face, but as soon as you go home <laughs> and we lose that in-person connection, in other words, we have a built-in sort of like, group consensus keeping the peace mechanism and yes sometimes some people violate it but for the most part like we're all in this room here we're all aligned in the spirit of music but by the fact that we're here you know it's pretty unlikely someone's just gonna go hey what do you think about some random political issue right oh yeah and you know and it's like (laughs) whoa man who cares you know yeah it's not that those issues don't aren't of consequence but i i just felt like yeah, I just had some experiences that really broke my heart, mm, you know, and yeah. I had to write, and it just, that song just came out like yeah. in one sitting. Mm. And uh, yeah, so the, the chorus is, uh, the pre-chorus is, says, but oh, the feeling, mm-hmm. oh, the healing when we fall off of the high horse onto the track, face down the high road, there's no turning back. Mm-hmm. This is the only chance we have. Yeah. And I really feel that way because... It's going to get more and more digital and it's going to get more and more streamlined and, um, you know, just the news that you need tailored to your exact preferences that you already have. Yeah. Whoa. (laughs) Whoa. That's going to get far out fast. And it has gotten far out fast. We all know it. And there's nothing we can really do about it in the sense that we have to engage with this world and we have this technology and there's also a benefit to it. Mm. Like the the technology is beautiful in many ways. We have a map on our phone. We have, yeah. I can talk to Ari about this podcast. We could be doing this from different sides of the world. That's right. all part of the same thing. Yeah. But I just, uh, that song is is really like a prayer for... There's really honestly, there's a couple prayers. There's a yeah. prayer. This is a record of prayers, man. Yeah. Is uh, is corn does grow kind of your your response to this? That almost felt like a, a nice. utopia, uh, yeah. this, this fantasy land where nice you talk read. about like there at the corn ranch. We don't have no flag to wave. We don't have no face to save. We don't have no ammunition. Just row a little boat ever gently down the stream. If the truth is going to float, then the lie is going to sink. And the corn does grow. That's is right. that like this? Is that yeah. is this like the response is like you know we could all live there? Yeah, that's a nice read, man. I, there's a lot of this theme on the album, and yeah, the like corn does grow. Um, I don't know where I heard. Well, that phrase came to mind um, based on a Bob Marley quote that I I read when I was a teenager. Which, anyway, just that like, and corn you could take any plant, but it's like nature is going to do its thing. The water's going to flow. Like the lyric in verse two is, um, at the corn ranch, which is kind of, I'm talking about my property, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. which is not even called the corn ranch, but I did it in the song. Mm. At the corn ranch, um, you and I don't have to see eye to eye on everything. Mm-hmm. We don't have to share a vision because the water's going to flow. 
you and I may disagree where the water wants to go. Que sera, sera, baby. You know? And anyway, point being, nature's going to do its thing. We are nature. Mm. (laughs) Surprise. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like a very old man going like, surprise. (laughs) But yeah, and I just really, I, I see it all over in my lived experience day to day. Like when humans can interact with each other, we, we almost have no choice but to see, to, to, to be compassionate with one another if we're really forced to interact. Because, you know, you see someone, again, grocery store with their child having a hard day. Maybe the kid's got, a, you know, is, is sick and is screaming about something. And it's like, hmm. that's you, man. Yeah. That's you in another t- moment. You know, we've all we've all had those di- had difficult times. So, yeah, corn does grow is a little bit of a. It's it's a little bit of a like, me screaming on the astral plane like, mm. like it's all gonna work out because there's no alternative. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How much of um, the songs when you when you you know take first person and you're saying I did this and I'm doing this and and. Um, is kind of I don't know, like literal or or is reflective right. of your actual position in life. Like, um, you know, you talk about in Five Watt Rock of of uh, you know, you remember that girl from Verse One? It's like we we got married, had a kid, and that yeah. kid's great. You're not married, you don't have a kid. Correct. So at uh, the moment, but, but I'm curious. Not married, like... never had a child. <laughs> so that is a fantasy. But it's a prayer. Yeah. You know what I mean? Okay. I want to have a kid and I want to be married. So mm. there it is. I sang about it in the song. Okay. You know? Manifesting. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Also, it's like songwriting is a place where I like to take a lick. Because people always want to know, is that factually, did that happen to you? And mm-hmm. it's like, well, the feeling did. Yeah. You know, the yeah. feeling is absolutely real. Like my song playing Jane Heroin. I've never been a heroin addict. Yeah. I don't ever plan to be. I've never used it and I will not. Mm-hmm. Part of the reason is because there's heroin addiction in my family. Mm. So that song is something that I grew up with a very deep feeling for. Mm. And when I experienced the feeling of feeling like I was addicted to like the pain of missing a former lover, I thought, what's the difference? Mm. This is my song now, playing Jane Heroin. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And but people have come up to me and told me that that helped them like get kick heroin wow. or alcohol. Yeah. Just to be like heard and seen in that way yeah and some other people have been like are you okay mm, yeah and yeah, i'm yeah. like that's a, i'm okay with you asking the question am i okay because i know i'm okay and the reason i'm okay is because this i put it in the song <laughs> yeah yeah that's the sort of irony mm. you know it's like yeah you can you can the songs are a safe place relatively safe i'm sure there's some things that would be really ill-advised to sing about but songs, I would say, generally are a safe place to let the full drama of human emotion play out rather than your life, you know? So it's like I sometimes bend, I sometimes like sort of blow out the truth. It's like, mm-hmm. yes, this feeling is true, but I made it way more dramatic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's like that song, I know I'm talking about my last album now, but like that song Best, mm-hmm. it's a true story. Like I did get that email mm. signed Best. Yeah. You know, and I was like, oh, <laughs> but we were in love for like a decade. And I went, yeah. Like, oh, God. whoa. You know, but then I like made it like, you know, there's not like a, I didn't get hit over the head by the dictionary or like whatever. Yeah. I went all fancy on it, but 
because there's a thousand ways to eat a Reese's, you know? And that's, <laughs> so it's like songwriting is finding all those different ways to say, yeah. to say the feeling. So let's talk um, release strategy and this new label that you're, you're yeah. uh, forming. I mean, release strategy, I, I'm curious on your take. And I know we, we talked about this a little bit backstage before this. Um, you know, we're recording this. Uh, when, when everybody's listening to this uh, podcast, the record will have come out. The record's not yes, out yet. It's not out yet. When is the record coming out? The record is coming out, God willing, and the creek don't rise in February. Which is very soon, and we're in January right yep. now. We're mid January. Don't remind me, but yeah, we're and, mid January. I gotta. And yep. <laughs> so, um, if I'm not mistaken, now I don't know if this is gonna make your anxiety rise too much. Go ahead. Uh, the the record you sent me, the Dropbox link was unmastered. Yes. And and we're January 17th. The record's coming out in like a month. It's still. How's the mastering coming? You no, know, you know. Yeah. <laughs> no, I I have a I have a um very uh very talented person in my life who I'm extremely fortunate to work with who just had a baby mm-hmm. who also happens to be mastering my record so we worked this out months ahead and it was like I know I know it'll work but because six months ago it was you know he obviously knew his wife was pregnant and it yeah. was like yeah this is gonna work out we're gonna get this done and um I'm not on a lit I mean I'm on my own label which I'll tell you about but I don't have anything that can't be moved back a week, mm. you know, and that's kind of the benefit of being indie. <laughs> Who do you use for distribution? TuneCore. Okay, so that's you know self. You can just log in. You can yeah. upload. You can set the date for tomorrow or in three weeks or whatever. Yeah, and you do it yourself. Yes. So I'm kind of like, yeah, first single comes out on seventeenth, and I'm like, yeah, if it's got to be the twenty third, I'll make it the twenty third. You know. Now, are you thinking about because you know? Uh, if you want to play the Spotify game, uh, they recommend, well, you know, get, uh, distribute the song. It le- they like to see like three to four weeks in advance. So you get in the system. I wanted and then to you ask pitch about it, that. Pitch that, that the, how real is that? Pitch it to the if other. it's real, I'm screwed, you know? <laughs> well, but it's like, we get back to like, what are your intentions here? Because it's like, you know, I, no, played, the, I played the game. I've worked with a brilliant artist who played the game where it's like, okay, we got it in five weeks in advance. We did the whole pitch. We totally. set it all up zero editorial right and then i know somebody who put distributed the record five days before the release wow boom they got an editorial so it's it happens there is no like right. real um you know law or rhyme or reason that a lot of times this happens mm-hmm. sometimes they don't they won't grab the first three singles right. and then sometimes they'll grab a random song from your album that wasn't even the featured track that you pitched to the editors bless it's that, hard to know bless but, that heart yeah yeah do you the heart like, are you even thinking about any of this or does it not really, um, well, you know, it's a good question. Bother you? No, I mean, I definitely think about it. I think the you asked what's the intention. And the, right. the thing is, I have a tour on sale right now that's going to be playing in the spring. The first date is March 29th in Salt Lake City. And I am of the belief that the entire album, that the fans should have time with the album before the concerts. Mm-hmm. Um, I love playing new songs for people, but I don't love playing 90 minutes of new material for people where they just go like, okay, whoa, or, you know, I mean, that's, that, that's a vibe too. But basically I feel like if you have people that are going to come to the show and they have the potential to come already loving the songs, yeah. it's a great cheat, cheat code. Yeah. It's like, oh my God, let them, let them learn the song so they can sing along. Like I love that. So, um, my goal is really to get the music out for that. And mm-hmm. if it, if anything, I, I'm going to do the strategy you said of like, 
a few singles and then drop the album. Mm-hmm. Spotify advertises that you need a week lead time for release radar. To hit release radar, yeah. That has been confirmed for me by some of my internet Jedi friends who take who have taken much wilder risks than I will. Yeah. Like upload it the day before for the next day and yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, you don't want to do that. I'm talking about Jack, by the yeah. way. <laughs> um, but, uh, and I know Wolfpack is kind of in a different league in terms of reach, but so yeah, I guess I would say the, the main strategy is like I have, because I recorded this album. So I did it. I did it live in this room in my home in the woods and there's a tape machine in the other room and we did it live to tape and then I did light overdubs also following that process of like, you know, full performance capture. So what I mean is the lead vocal, the drums, the bass, the keys, the guitar is all done live Hmm. on the way in. Mm -hmm. No edits at all. And I'm not, whatever. I think you got, you guys care because we're in this room. I'm not going to like advertise that as like, as if this is some selling point, there's no edits, you know? Because nobody cares, probably. But Who I knows know how to all... edit tape anymore these days, right? With a I'm not, yeah, I'm not taking it. <laughs> that's another thing. Is like I'm not going to learn how to splice tape for a yeah. reason because <laughs> it's going to keep me honest. But um, those, so so I filmed everything. So I have a video for each song, and I would say it's you know it's essentially the Wolf process mm. of filming the session. Except I also can't edit video. So there's. No, there's no cool anything about the video. It's just one take. One take, and I I think it's really badass. Yeah. Um, and it made me feel very emotional watching it. <clears throat> and I know it's the best I'm capable of, which is a very peaceful feeling I have. If I did my best, I know I did my best. Yeah. That's cool. I mean, I, rec- I this Wim Hof retreat that I went on was um, ended up. I had to reschedule the album because like everyone got COVID. Um, like three days before we were going to record it in May. Mm. The only available week was the week after Wolf did these the huge festival. And then I had another gig that I had to drive the, through the night for. And it was the week post this Wim Hof retreat. And during the Wim Hof retreat, the deep breathing exercise we did like brought up... I basically screamed un, uncontrollably, mm. like very loudly at one point. Mm. And I, I really couldn't control it. I had this like tremendous almost like psychedelic level like scream thing happened and it really like burned my voice out and then i went and did this gig in the ice and screamed in the ice which i don't know if, i mean i was belting in the ice because i had nothing else yeah i had yeah. to go like get a minute. Was, all i could do was that one riff it was crazy i didn't have a lot of voice left yeah and it's still a good show i thought it was a great show great show but then i had to go do this record so i had to kind of accept that as well and I think it's perfect. It's like mm. it's even made it even even grungier. Yeah. Um, and so anyway, I have a video per song. So my strategy is to do a couple singles, like maybe three, maybe four, um, each with a video, and then release the whole album, but keep dropping a video a week, um, even though the whole album's out. So people can listen to the album, but then there's this sort of promotable piece of, you might call it content, mm-hmm. except it's actually the record. Yeah. And it's engaging because it's a live video. So my my aim is to drop all those basically until the tour starts. Yeah. And I that's 11 weeks of, 11 weeks of Catsman. 
Yeah, I mean, it's a lot feed. of content. I mean, I think it's, you know... It's not the, the whole year, but it's like, well, if I sell out this tour, if I, if that helps me sell shows and sell yeah. vinyl, And that's, that's the great. ultimate goal. That's yeah. the intention. And that's the thing. It's just like, I think the, the record is going to do really well. Um, your fans are going to respond really well to it. They're going to... Uh, which means the algorithm is going to respond really well to it. That's a cool and take. We are in a post... Uh, human editorial landscape on Spotify right now. Wow. The, the, the you human, heard it here. You heard it here first. I, I, everyone's <laughs> head just went seven inches to yeah. the right. Everyone I didn't went, know what? that. Wait, Say wait, more, what? Ari. Yeah, okay, here we are. So uh, um, the human editors at Spotify are not as powerful as they were three years ago. It is now far better to get in uh algorithmic playlists than it is on these editorial playlists the thing is and i'm seeing this in real time i'm studying the spotify for artists back end and i'm seeing what editorial playlists do with songs and what algorithm do and let me just break this down why it is that way because what are spotify editorial playlists it is one person that's like i think these songs are are good and they're going to keep people on the the playlist and and uh keep them on our platform on Spotify. I like them. Maybe the audience listening to it likes them. Maybe they don't. Maybe they like some of them and they skip a few of the songs and they don't respond to the other ones. It's like one person's taste. And so what Spotify is noticing is that the drop-off rate on the songs on these official editorial playlists are pretty massive. Right, wow. And like the save rate is not as high. The skip rate is becoming high. What is more powerful, what are the algorithmic playlists? What are these playlists? This is the Spotify algorithm saying, oh, we know exactly what kind of music you like because we've been analyzing everything that you've been listening to. And so we're going to feed you through Discover Weekly, through Release Radar, through Radio, through uh, you know X, Y, and Z. And now there's a lot of these personalized playlists, they're calling it, um, where we know exactly what you like to listen to. So check out this playlist. It's not created by a human, it's created by the algorithm. And so you start listening to this playlist like, oh my gosh, I like every single song in this playlist. This is great. Why mm. would I mess with the uh, you know editorial playlist that yeah, somebody John's made? playlist. Yeah, John. I don't know, John. You know, <laughs> right. right. And so and I've seen this. It's like what, what happens is sometimes the, the official Spotify editorial playlist can be the kiss of death. You wow. get included on an editorial playlist. If you your song doesn't perform well on that editorial playlist, like your save rate's not there, the skip rate's high, people aren't saving it then it crushes uh, what could happen with the algorithm. They're not going to feed it to anyone because the signals that that has sent Spotify is, oh, people don't like this song, so let's not send it to more people. But maybe just the people listening to that one editorial playlist aren't responding because the first 30 seconds, uh, you know, there are no drums and everything else on this playlist has drums and that's what people are there for, but people don't give it, you know, three minutes to get to the end where, like, they will right, love it. Right, And so all of this being said is that, and Spotify knows this too, like, this is what we're moving into this era where it's less about these human gatekeepers and more about if your fans are responding, cool. then you're going to be rewarded by that because that's going to send the signals to Spotify that like, oh, 
people really dig this. They're listening. They're saving it. They're saving it to their own playlist. Let's send it to more people. Let's put it on more and then more and more and more. And it's going to just snowball and build off of each other. That's very cool. That sounds like good news in a way. For, I think it is for great most, news for, for most, most people making music. It's it's less good. You know, it's I think it's great news for people that have a fan base, the people that have an audience that responds really well. It's less good news for the people that don't have an audience that have been reliant on their best friend at Spotify that pops them in all of these editorial playlists and that like are living off of that. But I think it's really good news. Um, you have a label. Oh, yeah. Let's yes. get to that. And okay. then we're going to take questions. Cool. And uh, if you do have questions, we're going to stand for those questions. And there's a mic over here. And if you do have nice. questions, um, we can kind of ask the questions. But tell awesome. me about your label. Yeah. So the label is called 10 Good Songs. Yeah. And um, I don't know if anyone's been following my releases for the last few years. They all have that little logo on it. It's a triangle. It says 10 Good Songs. And um, right now, the label is just a label, by which I mean it is like a sticker. It's just like a label <laughs> you know what i mean um and uh it's gonna it's it's going to be centered around pr my productions mm -hmm. so that's gonna be my music and artists that i produce nice so may early wine's new album is gonna be the first non-theo katzman release on the label okay and everything is going to be this process that i described okay. for now yeah. of like people delivering delivering the goods right right in, right in there yeah and um full full performances what i'm what i'm excited for is i think people will see like okay i mean the you know the new wolfpack and my album and this one that you're going to hear from may they were all done in at, at my property mm. and so there's not like a sound that this studio has it's like depends on the music so wolf is produced by jack and it, so it has his through the wolf sonic, compressor <laughs> yeah there's a lot sonically that jack does that yeah. is the unique wolf signature my music sounds different than may's so i'm excited to show people that like it's not like again it's not like oh everyone just sounds like a band playing through a pa in a garage it's not that because yeah. i think that's what a lot of people think when they think live but now people are going to watch may early wine like just completely destroy this crush this cool. i don't know if any of you know phil cook um tremendous tremendous musician um uh his his golden messenger bon Iver, um that that world um phil came to the house and played keys on it um joel gotchalk from la mm -hmm. packy lindholm from from chicago anyway it's it's great musicians making this record you know you can see the, the the baffle in front of the drum the drums like we're, yeah. we're doing things to mitigate bleed sometimes but anyway this label is going to be um the videos are going to live on the artist channel yep. not mine okay but they're all going to have this sticker 10 good songs so cool. my my aim is to draw a little through line on the internet of cool. like 10 good songs man nice because i i once had a, a meeting with a manager years ago when Heartbreak Hits was kind of catching on, I had a lot of, it took a lot of meetings. Yeah. And um, this one guy was like, what's, uh, what's your thing, man? You know? And I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, well, you know, like good to be alone. I mean, that's like country, man. I mean, like that's Nashville. Like, I mean, if you could get me 10 more of those, we could take this to Nashville. Country's really popular right now. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, 
I just so frustrated. I kind of exasperatedly, I was like, man, my thing is 10 good songs, man. <laughs> Every time. Yeah. There's no skippers. Like, what's that? That's my genre. Is that, yeah. do I need a genre? It's 2000, you know, are you kidding me? Like genre? Yeah. Like I said, my friend's seven-year-old daughter cried about the Beatles for an hour and a half. Like, that's 50 years old. Mm. There's no genre. Yeah. There's the Beatles. There's Skrillex. There's Rihanna. There's Chopin. Debussy. We are post-genre. Yeah. Um, so some of these... So anyway, this label, 10 good songs. Cool. Keep an eye out for it. I'm my, my real goal is to be able to get it to the point where we do vinyl pre-orders for each record and it has its own following. Yeah. You know, where I can come to an artist that who's maybe unknown, but whose music I love and say, hey, let me record you and we're going to sell a thousand units and we're going to pay for this record. We're going to do it mm. pretty low budget and we're going to put all our sweat and t- blood, sweat and tears into it and let's let's kick some ass on this. That, that's the goal. Nice. Yeah. Well, Theo, I have, uh, before we get to questions, I have, this has been incredible. And, and so, dude. Love you, bro. Love you. Thank you. This is amazing. Thank you, man. Um, I have one final question that I ask everyone who comes on the show. Okay. What does it mean to you to make it in the new music business? My favorite question. I used to say, stop trying to make it and start making it. <laughs> By which I mean... No, no, this is, this is in line with your thing. Yeah. Make music. Make your art. Make your life as much as you can in line with what you feel like hell yeah about. Mm. And start there. It is not a bad place to start. What I just outlined is actually a very difficult thing to do. Um, but it's the, in my experience, the sort of lower cost way of like, why not start with making the music? I meet a lot of people who are like, yeah, have you heard of this? And I'm like, no. And they're like, well, yeah, doing a lot of great things. You know, they got a manager, a lawyer, um, mm-hmm. agent. You know, they're with Wasserman. I'm like, oh, cool. Can I hear their music? Like, oh, they haven't written any songs yet. <laughs> it's like, come on, man. Next. Yeah. Give me a break, dude. Because <laughs> even if so- someone else is going to write them their songs, and then they'll ride the the golden pony to off into the sunset, but they won't have gained that thing we just said mm. for the last two hours. It was like, what is it that you do? You know, so I'm not I'm not trying to knock uh, I'm not trying to knock anything, but I'm trying to say making it in the new music business to me is first and foremost making your best work. And that's gonna change and it's gonna improve. And if you're like me, your first album will be listened to much less than your second. Your second, even if it's your best, will be listened to much less than your third, even if it's less good. And your third will be less than the fourth. And that's a good thing because this is a gradual growth thing. And, you know, I'm not like a rich guy living in the hills of LA, but I make a living off of the music that I want to make that I have 100% ownership over and it feels pretty damn good. So I think that that is, yeah, thanks. That's right. And I I also feel very lucky, you know, I'm extremely lucky. um, But part of that luck is like choosing to follow the people who inspire me. Like when I met Jack Stratton, I was like, we became fast friends. And it was like, I had professors who were like, what the hell's wrong with Jack? They would say (laughs) that to me. And I was like, man, what are you talking about? Jack's going (laughs) to change the world. Jack might take your job. Yeah. <laughs> no, but yeah, Jack. So 
you know, keep like really, this is still a community thing. You know, one of the things people like get, they get obsessed with how to make it. Right. Yeah. They go like, I got to figure out my Spotify strategy. Right. And then it's like, what if instead of doing that, you figured out if anyone in your town cares that you play music? Hmm. There you go. And that sounds like a diss, but it's not. I mean, like, you have to humble yourself to that. There was a time when no one in my town cared. Okay, cool. Well, I brought my, I had 10 friends. So my 10 friends cared because they have to care because they're my friends. They care, whatever. <laughs> wow, not bad, Katzman. You know, you're still a loser, but you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. right on. <laughs> and anyway, then it's like, it's the same as I heard Jeff Tweedy talk about it. He said, man, I, you know, they were like, what's Wilco's thing? And he said, well, I think we've always been pretty realistic. Like, maybe we could play a show in Chicago was like first question. Mm-hmm. That, but it wasn't like, it was maybe. They play yeah. one, they're like, cool. And they play a bunch more. And they're like, maybe we could play in like Wilmette. Or like, you know, a little bit outside of Chicago. Yeah, yeah. It's like, people would love to skip that. And I don't know that the live thing is necessarily a path to the digital thing, but I can say like, there might, there's a value in it, you know, Mm. going out into the world and finding out, getting to test, like relish in your obscurity, use that, use this time. If you're, if you feel like no one knows who you are, like keep doing it, keep getting better. Mm. You know, I played rooftop gigs in LA for years and I, I cherish that time. Like, I'll I'll never get to do that again in the way that I did then, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, and I'm happy about it. It ran its course, but like that's a beautiful thing. Like, um, you know, using using that time as fuel to mm. to keep honing and discovering yourself. It's that's real, man. That's that's what this is. So yeah, to me, making it in the new music business is first looking in the mirror and being like, this is the best that I can do. I'm sure of it. If you get to that point, as far as I'm concerned, you have pleased the Lord. You know what I mean? (laughs) And then beyond that, it's like, yeah, let's see if we can sell it. You know, it's like, (laughs) maybe we can't. Let's be honest. I don't know. I don't know if anyone's going to like what I'm singing about on this album. This is my most brutally honest record and it's more, it's more emo than anything I've ever done. Hmm. And I'm singing about like being shamed out of a community because of the, you know, Facebook or whatever, like we just talked about on my, Mm-hmm. on that song it's like i don't know if anyone's gonna like that maybe they want to hear hard work maybe they want to hear wolfpack maybe they want to hear funky theo all right you know it's not what i made i mean it is funky because it it's funky yeah but um <laughs> but it you know i want to say something it's real. and i'm taking a risk mm-hmm. but to me that's where the i i can honestly say and it's it's the first time i've ever felt this way in my whole life and that's why i'm so stoked on this process because i think this specific process is a big part of why i feel this way is like I'm fully proud of this album. I say, I feel this is my best work, and I asked you, you were like, oh, for sure it is, which was cool, because <laughs> you could have been like, yeah. I don't know, maybe someone else would be like, yeah, I kind of missed, you know? It's like, but everyone's going to have that opinion, especially yeah. if you are fortunate enough to be reaching people. Yeah, There's a lot of people not going to like it, but, mm. you know, that's part of it. So anyway, first, making getting to that point, making it your mission to be like, I am. I know I'm making my best, I'm doing the best I can, not at promoting myself, but at making the work. Start mm. with the work. The work will never let you down, man. I swear to God. <laughs> Music is never going to let you down. You know, the industry, that shit is going to break your heart <laughs> a thousand times. Yeah. Still breaks mine, man. Still breaks mine. 
but not like it used to because yeah. now I have the art. You know what I mean? Mm. So that's it. Theo Katzman, ladies and gentlemen. Um, let's take a few questions, but while we do this, do you want to uh, stand with me? Because I need I to stretch my legs, and if you want to stand. Um, yes, first question over here. Tell us your name. Hi, my name is Jenny. Hi, Jenny. Nice to meet you. You too. Um, I was question? very <clears throat> excuse me, interested in what you were saying about the performance value. Yes. Um, I book for a small club in Los Angeles, and... Um, I was reading just the other day your list of you know best independent or best clubs in LA. It was a short list. Yeah. Spoiler alert: the club I booked for wasn't on it. Um, Fourth but, edition. Yes. <laughs> no. It's okay. It's okay. What's your club? My question: uh, Trip Santa Monica. Oh yeah. Um, my question is: um, What can clubs be doing to set artists up for success? Wow! Great question. Woo! Oh my god. Yeah! Wow. Yeah, Jenny. Uh, I mean, okay, for let I'll give my take and then you give your take because whoo first off Thank you for that question. I mean yeah. usually I think we feel oftentimes that it's like a battle between the artist and the club and like, you know, oftentimes um, Artists feel that the club is supposed to promote the show and the clubs feel like the, the artist is supposed to promote the show And in the end no one promotes the show and then everybody loses um, I think you know with um, how the club can set it up is to really, I mean, it's it's like, I think it, at least in LA, because that's where we are right now, is that um, clubs have gotten very, and promoters have gotten very um, greedy in the sense that because there are so many artists here, that uh, they know that they can take advantage of artists and that there's like the pay to play thing that's happening. So one, don't ever do pay to play. Don't make your artist buy the tickets and then sell the tickets. And if you don't sell a certain number of tickets, whether she's taking it or she doesn't do that. Thank you. Um, don't work with promoters that do that, which is a big thing because there's a lot of younger artists that are just getting started. And I'm sure we all get these emails. We all get these emails that are just like, hey, you want to play the Viper Room? You want to play the Wissy? I booked the Troubadour. I can do this and do this. And it's like, all you need to do is sell 50 tickets and then you're going to sell them for $15 a head. And, da -da -da -da. and then people don't know that that's not actually the way it should be working. And so I think that like, you know, thinking about what is going to be a fair deal. Also, we want to make sure that you stay in business. But like treating the artists like going after the ones that maybe you really love and respect and, and work at look at it as like a partnership and it's not just like oh this is your show figure it out bring your crowd like let's all work together on kind of making this this work for everyone and also i think like i really hate the la thing of hit it and quit it i hate that everyone is not, most venues are like oh we have a seven o'clock we have an eight o'clock we have a nine o'clock we have ten o'clock who are you here to see i got a tally sheet okay you're here to see the nine o'clock okay they're getting your ten dollar or you're getting right. 70 percent of your ten dollars not the seven o'clock and which then promotes competition amongst artists because it's like wait don't say you're there to see theo he's on a 10 say you're there to see me but it's like but i want to see both of you guys so who's going to get my money that's the thing that I, I hate about how LA does it. It's like if everybody just worked together and was like, oh, let's promote a whole night of music, then we're all working together and we all have um, you know, an incentive for the show to be successful. Good call. Yeah. <laughs> Can I? You wanna add? Yeah, I'll add a couple things. Oh, question, what's the capacity of the room? 80 people. 80, okay, sweet. So, small room, yeah. and um, you're probably not bringing in like you know, yeah, it's a certain, it's not going to, it's, it's not the theater Ace Hotel. It's not like Foy Vance is playing 
there necessarily unless he wants to do a special kind of smaller thing, right? With an 80 cap room, I would say, because I love an 80 cap room. That'd be like, I love playing 80 cap. Um, as, as you're an, and you're an independent room, right? So you promote the shows as the, you're the, you're the buyer or whatever. Partnership. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry to, to use the term, but, um, for me, cause I love, I love playing an independent room as, as, as advantageous in the artist's favor as you can make the deal, the better. That's kind of obvious. You know, but that's a big thing because a lot of lot of places are not that great in that front. If it, if you can make it sound great, that's great. Mm. And I'm not sure if you have a backline available at all. You do. Okay, that's awesome. I think those are those are three huge things like a working backline um, and a good sounding room and an advantageous deal. I think are are huge. And don't take a merch cut. I mean, I hate the venues that are taking a percentage of merch because it's like, if you think that, not you, I know you're not doing it, but like, there are venues out there that are 250 cap rooms and they're like, oh, we take 10%, we take 20% of your merch. I'm like, well, then can I have 10 to 20% of your bar? Like, this is not, yeah. this can go both ways here. What's the deal? If I were new to LA and I wanted to play my music and I had, and I knew I could bring 40 people out and you were like, yeah, 85, 15 deal, door deal, sell whatever ticket price you want. I would be playing in your room every every month. Yeah, you know. Yeah. I don't. So I, I hope that's helpful. <laughs> is, is that cool. everything you're already doing? Probably. You're sure. like. I'd love to talk deals with you after this. Yeah, yeah cool. We'll keep talking. <laughs> yes, thank you. Hi, uh, my name's Elif, and first of all, thank you for doing this and for all of your wonderful books. Um, and I also just love the answer you gave her because someone asked me to do a pay-to-play recently, and I said no. Good. And that's good. For a second, I had imposter syndrome, but then I was right. like, "They don't. I don't need them. They need me." Correct. Damn right. Yeah. That's right. Um, so, <laughs> on that front, um, financial. I, I'm in not the best. Okay, I'm gonna start that over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> For someone that's not uh, financially super capable of making a music video, or um, uh, who has like the, who has the resources as far as I've performed. I'm a, I'm super creative and I love all my music and what is the one biggest piece of advice that you can give to someone that just doesn't have the money to do all those wonderful things that you tell us to do? Well, can I jump Thank in on you. that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would just ask like, do you have a laptop or a phone, yeah. iPhone? Okay, and you might not like it because sometimes people are like, my thing is I have to work with an 80 piece orchestra. That's my thing. I'm not saying you're doing that, but as 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 a left to the right of the spectrum, I've seen, met people where they're like, "No, man, you don't understand. It's got to be eighty piece orchestra." I'm like, "Sounds like you need three hundred thousand dollars, but you only have three hundred, you know." And it's like, I don't think it's a bad thing to let the finances force the production into like what is possible for you, because if you play an instrument and sing and write a great song, I'm sure you could capture that with a $50 microphone and the built-in logic plug-in suite and make something like very compelling with that. So it's almost like be more minimalist. Mm -hmm. Like forget the music video. I mean, I film my entire new record on an iPhone and the Wolf record on an iPhone and this new one with Mayerly on an iPhone. Now the iPhone thing with Wolf is intentionally more lo-fi, just Jack does all kinds of stuff with it. Mine is going to be just hi-fi and so maybe it'll look beautiful. I think it looks beautiful, but it's like the iPhone's a pretty good camera, you know? Mm -hmm. 
Anyway, I would say minimal. Go more minimal, and as you make more money, scale it. You know, but don't set yourself in some like I need to get a fifteen thousand dollar loan so I can make a music video that's gonna make me be taken seriously because maybe no one will even see it or maybe they'll watch it once. Mm -hmm. But if you spend fifteen dollars and someone watches it once, it's not gonna hit that. It's not gonna hurt that bad. You know, and if anything, if it starts catching on, that's kicking ass. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Hey, how's it going? Uh, I'm Kyle Winjack, and uh, first of all, yeah, thanks, thanks again for. Uh, I've been following both of you for a long time. Big fan of. Uh, Thank you, man. Of uh, of the music and the the podcast and the book and Thank all you. that good stuff. Um, I was actually supposed to fly back to Vancouver a couple nights ago, and I was on the fence whether I should, you know, push my stay in LA a little bit longer. And then I heard about this, I'm like, yeah. Okay. Thanks, man. Good decision. Yes, thank you yeah. for that. I yeah, actually, it. I saw you at uh, Saturday, Saturday the other night. Ah, uh, yes, the Monday, yeah. Monday on a Saturday. Oh, yeah, I was right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Why weren't you there? I, I couldn't make that one, man. Oh, okay. I, I talked to yeah. Joel about it. But, All right. Okay. Um, but, <laughs> uh, so I've got a question about uh, about songwriting for uh, for. I'd love to hear both of your takes, really. But I think um, with Theo in particular, is something that I hear a lot of in your music and in a lot of other. Uh, music that I really admire is this like element of like really stark contrast and I think that's present in your music in a lot of ways like um, uh, you know singing the, just these like gutting lyrics to like something that you just like vibe into yeah right along. or, right. or um, uh, like Good to Be Alone I think was mentioned yeah. earlier today and I think yeah. that's a really good example of like um you know, you're singing lyrics that maybe aren't necessarily like what you would think they mean literally, but you know, you know what yeah. you mean just yeah. from you know all the the context in the air. So I don't know if that's a question, but yeah, I, I can speak to that. Yeah, um, music, at least in as far as I can tell, in being a Western, uh, you know, someone who grew up in the West versus the East of the world, like American music, Western music diatonic harmony or I should say the pian the piano keyboard those 12 notes yeah. and the chords that you find if you make triads out of each each of them they have a quality to each of them emotionally like we all know if somebody plays like C major we're kind of like right on yeah. <laughs> or like it's like it's like that's what that feels like you know what I mean and then it's like mm, I flat the third and it's like mm. it feels kind of like oh you know that's obviously a real simple way of doing it, but I like to find, I like to be, and the more I write and the older I've gotten in my songwriting, the more I try to be patient with finding the right harmonic setting, if you will, for the lyric. Because it's like, apparently, here's a cool story, any Billy Joel fans in the house? Hey, you saw him at MSG? <sighs> Don't get me started. Yeah. Anyway, um, only the good die young. Mm. Only the good die is really you know happy song. It's like wait what? Only the good die young. Mm. It's like actually kind of an intense song lyrically. And I heard a story. I don't remember where I heard it, so I'm sorry. But apparently, I heard he was in the studio and Paul Simon walked in, and it was like he had written it as like a dirge minor ballad. Mm. And apparently Paul Simon was like, man, that's like, that's two on the nose, man. Sad lyric, sad music. He's like, 
it's too much. Like, make the music really happy, keep the lyric where it is. And that'll just, like, be it's a totally wild experience where people will be, like, integrating this thing, but it's like, what are we saying? It's like, you know, and I thought Bob Marley was always tremendous at that. You know, it's like, feels so good. Next thing you know, he's like, Throwing, overthrowing the government. It's like, whoa. It's like, it's like whoa. You know what I mean? Marl is the, there's, there's a sort of way that lyrics can sink deeper, I think, and kind of hide in plain sight when you kind of like coat them in the natural feelings that the chords give you. Yeah. You know? Cool. It's like sneaking the veggies in there. Exactly. <laughs> Sneak the veggies in there. Sometimes you need that support. And sometimes you want it to just be like, no, it's just a dagger to the heart. There's no way around this pain. Bang, you know, like four chord bang or whatever it is, you know, with the six in it. It's like, forget <laughs> it, dude. I'm a dead person, you know? Yeah. All right, we're going to take one more question for this, and then we're going to do the uh, the book signing thing, and we're going to ha be hanging out. You're able to hang out uh, as long as you want. But, um, yes, we're um, – final question. Let's uh, – yeah. Hi, I'm Razor J, and Razor Jay. I appreciate the information, this whole talk. I appreciate the book. My question is, and actually, Ari, you really helped me with this a couple years ago when I did a podcast recording over Zoom. Yeah. A couple years ago, I was asking questions on how to pursue my music authentically, mm -hmm. and it, it was really helpful. And I feel like the past couple years, I'm making music that I'm proud of. I'm making music that, and I'm letting go of what other people feel about it and I find that I'm finding the people who do want to feel it are there so I feel really good about that nice so to relate to that is now that I feel mo more comfortable than I've ever had before in my life with my music now trying to explore to make sure people hear it in a way that's also authentic I think you gave a great example with Wim Hof and I really like that I actually do Wim Hof breathing myself so cool man I totally feel that awesome but is there anybody one thing I like about music is that you can go find documentaries and you can sometimes find really cool interviews about people exploring the creative process and kind of showing how much caution they threw to the wind or the process and all that but you don't i at least i haven't found as much people talking about that in the marketing aspect if that makes mm. sense and i felt like what you showed was really great marketing and super authentic it felt just as artistic cool so do you guys, besides that, which I really like that example, is there anyone else you can think of recently that's maybe just, maybe people you don't even work with, but who's caught your eye because what they do is just so effective in that way? I've heard Seth Godin speak about marketing in a really cool way. Mm -hmm. I'm sure Ari can answer this better than I can, but that would I mean, be the one guy. His book, This Is Marketing, is brilliant. I oh, think it really see. makes you think completely differently about how to approach marketing and what marketing means. But, I mean, I think what we didn't... What's actually really interesting, we are in the year 2023 right now. Did we mention TikTok once this entire conversation? Wow. I don't think we did, right? Slipping. What? Slipping, he says. Slipping. Oh. So, but, but, here, but, here's, but here's the thing. It's just like, that's the crazy part of the industry we're in. Theo's not on TikTok. I'm sorry. Mm. I can't, I don't even, again, better or for worse. There I, is I, no Theo Katzman profile on TikTok. Um, but here, your but, chance to claim it now. Yeah. <laughs> But the thing is, is this like, it's whatever you, the tool that you're using, because there are some 
people who are marketing brilliantly on TikTok using the platform in extremely innovative ways, which I think are so creative. And I think, um, you know, are done in ways that like with, you remember the open verse challenge for those of you who have done yeah. that with using the duet feature, because it's like, it's using the tools and the limitations of whatever you're working with, whether it is the duet feature on TikTok or whether it's $15 in your bank account and you want to you like make a crazy video and, or whether it's just like, doing it live in the room and because that's the limitation that you have constructed. Right. And it's like using those limitations, you can come up with really interesting creative marketing campaigns because it becomes, uh, you know who you're targeting because you know who your, your audience is, but also sometimes your audience will find you based on that beacon, that, that kind of that lighthouse uh, hum that you're sending out. It's like people start to find that. It's like, well, that's really weird and different. And I don't understand it. So that's not for me, but then there's going to be a few people that are like, wait, that's really weird and yeah, cool. Yeah. And I love that. That is for me. So to not like get into super, uh, specifics, I do have a ton of specifics of creative marketing campaigns in the book, which you all have. Yeah. Um, so you can check that out. But I think just think refocusing the thinking around how you want to approach marketing would be the way to go. And it's gotta be authentic. Yeah. I think that's the thing. Like when people have been like, like even that verse, I've seen people do this, like sing a verse on my song. Yeah. And it's Open like, verse challenge, yeah. it's great if that's your thing. Yeah. But it's like, I don't want to do that. But no offense, I just yeah. don't think, I don't, you know, it's like, it I wrote this verse and yeah. it took me a very long time and I cried, I cried many tears and made much sacrifice okay. for this verse. Like, I don't really need to hear your verse. No offense, this is my song. You know what I mean? I but that. Th but if I were in a different context, it might be like, yo, resting a verse. <laughs> The managers are cursing right now in the room. I see the managers with I know, the arms I know. folded. But it's, like, but it's like, I can see some tremendous artists I know in the room personally, and I'm like, I want to hear your thing, you know? Um, I'm sure there's a way to build a creative marketing thing off of your thing. Does that make sense? It makes complete sense. Yeah. Personally, I, I mean, I think the Open Verse Challenge was a brilliant thing that that Totally it's like, brilliant. We saw like 50,000 remixes off of one song that were these cool, creative, unauthorized remixes that really helped sometimes launch careers. But the beautiful thing yeah. about the current new music business that we're in is like, you don't have to do that if you don't want to. If it doesn't resonate or make sense with you, then definitely don't do it. Only do things that resonate and make sense for you. Right. Agreed. Okay, cool. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for being part of this. <laughs>to you by DistroKid. DistroKid is a distribution service that can get your music into all the DSPs like Spotify, Apple Music, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram. Over a million artists have used DistroKid. I'm one of those artists. I've used DistroKid to get my music out, distribute some of my songs. As you know, as I look into all of these distribution services, I test them out. And DistroKid is great. They offer a ton of features, annual fee, unlimited uploads, and you keep 100% of your royalties. Check out districtkid.com.